broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. (laughs) (laughs) Hello everyone and welcome to episode 98 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I'm your host Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, we've... uh... We did some shenanigans (laughs) at Vault Wars. Yes. We're going to do our event recap of Vault Wars, which went to about a month ago. Yeah. Just about. And so we're going to talk about your games and my games and our trips and our travels and our tribulations yeah. and all those kinds of things. Uh, we're also going to talk about the Morngol War Scroll, since obviously we had the Night Haunt Battle Tome come out. So there is a War Scroll that is eligible to be taken, but isn't included in the, yes. in the Battle Tome. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about that briefly. Nothing has changed with it. So, you know, as always, we have timestamps. Welcome, new listeners. We're trying to <laughs> make this disclaimer at the front end of the show. Uh, you can jump to the sections that you want to. You can listen for as much or as little as you like. And then... Um, Something new we're going to try mm-hmm. is... Now, we got episode 100 coming up, which is still unbelievable, I think, to both of us. But what we're going to start in episode 101, so kind of in the next century of our podcast, we're going to do a little Q&A in the show close. So what we're going to do is, you know, maybe in episode 100 or the next one, whatever, and we're going to encourage you guys to send any questions you have about the show you know, that we've done and either send the questions to Brendan on Twitter at uh, hobby underscore bear yep. or Dan on Gmail at cubic shenanigans at Gmail. So either way, uh, and if you obviously people have our private contact information, yeah, you can text us or you can whatever you want text to do. Text or that call way. the show at one eight hundred seven zero. Please don't do that. So, yeah, we're gonna give it a try and see how it goes. Yeah, we'll probably pick out one or two every episode and yeah. and go through that. You know, if there's follow ups from Battle Tome reviews, you know, yep. things that kind of come to mind, questions you have, you know, we're gonna try and start answering some of those as we go. Yeah, as part of the show. Yeah, and we'll do it in the show close. So, you know, again, as Brendan just said, you can jump to that part and see what if your question's been answered, whatever else. Can't promise we'll answer all of them. No, that we won't. Yeah, so that's it. And we're moving on then to Whispers from the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Brendan, it is once again hobby time. It is. Again, I've been all over the place. I've been (laughs) building some mountain lumineth, Mm -hmm. building some giants, building some cruel boys, painting some cruel boys. I saw your Bellacore displayed on the Discord. looks great. Thank you. looks really nice, man. Yeah, so uh, we'll talk about my game four. I was very inspired (laughs) following Vault Wars to get him painted. Yeah. And so I did. Yeah, and he looks good. I painted him to a pretty high standard, I feel, yeah, for... I think you're right. So that's what I've been doing. You know, it's just a lot of just kind of miscellaneous, unfocused hobby activity, I think, <laughs> okay. is, the, is the best way to describe it. <laughs> okay. I've been working on my Night Haunt. More than anything, adding new units first, just things I might want to try. So Bodie McBoatster, otherwise known as Ulrich the Drowner, sure. is finished, and... We were just talking before the show. The base is a little larger, I think, than we were both expecting. But for me, the model is smaller. He just looked bigger on the box and stuff. And I open it up and look at it, the body like, oh, it's just like 
smaller than a spirit torment, honestly. Mm-hmm. But the model's got some really cool details. If you look, there's like all the drowning ghosts have coins. You know, they're going to put, there's a little box on the model that has coins in it. They put the bot their coins in and it's just kind of fun. Yeah. And just overall really cool. So that one's finished. And I've got five crossboos that everything is done on them except for basing now. You know, we kind of have mixed reviews of them when we did the battle tome. I'm going to give a unit of 10 a try, try to do a couple things with them and otherwise see what happens. They're cool models too. They're very nice. And I got those done. I also built and primed uh, three spare torments, so another unit of uh, bodyguards, two lord executioners were built and primed, and then I've got a torment and a couple of more chain gas. Now I've got already have a torment and chain gas in my army, but I want to add a two more, more just for all those different combinations. You know that we're going to work our yeah, way. Yeah, having two spirit torments would be pretty solid. Yep. Yeah, six models, thirty models. No, yeah, thirty models a game. That's pretty respectable. All right, so that's what I've been working on. We've both been pretty busy, which yeah, is relatively good. yeah yeah nice. As far as releases and stuff, the newest Kill Team stuff is on the street, along with all the Chaos Knight kit. There's models and dice and, you know, all the accoutrements that come along with that. But that's all over the website. So if you're interested in Chaos Knights, now's your time. Very cool. And they look awesome. You know, paint it up and stuff. Then dare we mention that Heresy is up for pre-order now, and it's got a two-week cycle here. So if you pre-order this weekend, you'll get your stuff in about two or so weeks. Quite a bit of it is sold out. Yeah, already. No surprise. The box, the books, the books meaning the two Liber, Astartes Liber, Hereticus. Mm -hmm. There's special weapons. There's heavy weapons. The Kratos tank is out. And of course, there's Legion dice, Legion transfers. And then there's Primarchs. Now, I think... This is my opinion here. It didn't say, but it's on the GW website, yeah. which is different. But they're going to still be resin. It's, it's yeah, the it models from Forge World, just so nobody... And I would just want to say that so nobody expects them to be, oh, plastic Primarchs. No, they are just the Forge World models. They're repackaged. And they are right in the GW website. So, But every single one of them, I looked at the pre-orders, and it was like seven pages. I'm going, what? Oh, it's all the Primarchs. Well, but the nice thing, though, is you don't have to worry about trying to hit the Forge World shipping value and right right? you're going through a a different entity for it which Which is is cool cool. yeah so all that stuff is up and ready we'll see how all that goes i have an angron i have (laughs) a karn we're getting the book we're looking seeing Mm -hmm. how much we're going to invest in it and we've got sylvanus skaven and the ghb are somewhere in the pipe soon we've been getting rules previews for both the skaven three claw steps ahead yes that was kind of fun yep (sighs) man i know all the previews right are in a vacuum that is a killer rule Mm. you know what they previewed with was you can use the first run roll Mm -hmm. in every movement phase to apply to your whole army assuming Mm -hmm. that you have reached that level of rules unlock the first charge roll in every charge phase you can use as the charge roll You, you can you don't have to apply to the whole army and then you can basically have your whole army just fight first yeah it's insane Yeah, it seems pretty crazy. Yeah, sure does. Sure does. You know, we'll see if there's a couple of sentences, you know, that explain how some of that does or doesn't work. But Mm -hmm. that's... That's what it looks like. It's pretty good. Without context, it looks really good. Yeah, with no context, that is something that you go, (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, Yeah, all right. I'll take that. Somewhere down there in the pipe. 
because we've got, you know, again, heresy stuff that's going to be coming out and people are going to be talking about that still. Yeah. So uh, but. heresy went up for pre-order yesterday. Mm-hmm. So that's in-house on the 18th. My guess is we'll have something, you know, kind of random to fill out the end of June and then probably maybe July 2nd, you're potentially looking at pre-orders for the handbook. If I had to put a date on when stuff is going to happen, that's my guess. Sure. All right, so that's model stuff. Then we had this Skulls thing, Festival of Video Games, that they've been talking about, and they previewed, I think, what, seven or eight different video games that are out. Yeah, it was a bunch. The only one that I found interest of interest was the Rogue Trader one. It's kind of like a RPG mm-hmm. kind of a thing that looked pretty interesting. The rest of them... Yeah, whatever. I know they're up on Steam, or at least the previews are all up on Steam, because I went to see if it was there already, and it's not yet, but they're coming out soon. So it was interesting. You know, it's another aspect that a lot of people, that's their exposure to Warhammer, sure, is through video games of some type. So um, games played. I've done Civ Beyond Earth, of course. Now, I'm trying, I always try something different to make it up. What I've done is kind of an escalation thing where I take on one AI and then I take on two, three, four. I just add an AI each time. So I'm up to six AIs right now and I'm working my way through that. The problem is like it takes so long to get rid of one of them or even to get to the point where you can take on one of them that the game lasts a lot longer because <laughs> getting rid of six enemies is a lot in this game. So anyway, it's it's been fun. And then Chaos Gate, I got through another four scenarios, so I think I've played seven now. And I'm still enjoying it a lot. Good. So it's slow and steady. It'll stay that way for me. Um, how about other games for you? Anything? Nothing especially interesting. I've been playing some... I downloaded Magic the Gathering Arena on my phone oh, yeah. here like this last week or so. And I've been using that as my you know, kind of kill an hour, clear my head, Uh, you know, gaming stuff. And I had it for my PC a a number of years ago, and I just got frustrated with it because you had to, like, basically do all of your own deck building. And so the really cool thing that they've done in somewhere in the last five years, you know, unknown period of time, is you have access to a bunch of pre-built that you can earn, Mm -hmm. you know, for free. And they're actually, like, pretty good and if you want to spend the time and energy and money into building you know decks for like ranked play and you know tournaments and stuff like that you totally can but the pre-built are solid and like you know the pairing system is super reasonable and okay you know so like i just kind of pick out the ones that i like play the ranked games and I get my butt kicked, you know, quite a bit, which is totally fine because, like, I come across these these decks that people have built. There are these really cool expressions of, like, different combinations and things like that. And, mm. like, there was one person I played where the whole, like, they didn't end up playing any creature cards or anything like that. It was all sorceries and instants. And, like, the whole goal was just to, like, mill through my deck. And they were just trying to keep their health up, you know, over okay, the course yeah. of it. And, like, that was pretty cool. Yeah. It was neat. Sure. It was different. Yeah. Like, I don't know how good or bad any of it is. Like, I just come across some stuff and I go like, that's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's a cool thing you're doing there. (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing that. You get home, you're waiting for something to cook or whatever, and you you play a quick game or two, and then you just kind of move on with the rest of your evening. Sure. Sigmar now. I've got one game scheduled with Nick from Diascast. I'm hoping to get more in. Hopefully we'll get a game in this week. When we talk about events, I want to get at least half a dozen games in. More if I can, but with my night haunt and try some things out. Now, you've been really pushing it. You've gotten a few games in. I've gotten a few games. Not going to disclose what the army is or what the results were. Have been playing a little bit. Got to get my arms around options in the death faction for ATC. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, We'll disclose at the beginning of July. 
So, yeah. <laughs> when it's safe yeah, to... Yeah, when lists have been submitted, yes, yes we'll talk about <laughs> okay, it. Okay, fair. Events. We've got ATC, of course, in mid-July. I've decided on a smaller event because once Midwest Meltdown you know, was canceled. Several people stepped up and I just want to give a quick shout out to all those folks who have stepped into the breach and provided outlets for everybody who had signed up for Meltdown and others. But it was really great to see so many people on lo- on the local level coming through and putting together some neat events. Yeah, There was one that our friend LaRon down in St. Louis. I th- well, so it was, it was teams on Friday. Right. So and it was doubles on Friday and then it was a, a five game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was either that or it was something called Midwest Makeup down in my, our friend Mike Westendorf, his neighborhood down in Indy and his friend uh, Thad yeah. is throwing, it, it's not going to be as big but for me it's closer for sure and i think i just want to support a smaller event like that and i know that is trying to make it so it's a little more accessible to newer players so i think i'm going to throw in for that one either way i get five games in sure and it's a tournament so it doesn't really matter to me either way for that and then nashcon and siege world in august the nova open is now i guess last week in august first week in september it's that's done. always labor day weekend yep. we talked about dragonfall the october 23rd 24th rock con is first week in november mm-hmm. and then we're still talking about bruce city brawl yeah that's likely going to be in the november time frame yep you had talked about that last time, so we're good. We'll just wait to get a date once you finish your negotiations. Oh, hotel would just answer my emails. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think that's it for Whispers, yeah? Yeah, on to Emperor Lies. Man, what are we, a team? No, 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 we're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. All right, Brendan. The Emperor Lies, we're going to start out with our buddy the Morningall, and we're talking about him because he does have the Night Haunt keyword. Mm-hmm. So you can take him legally in a Night Haunt list. He is 300 points. He is 10 wounds. His movement is from, I believe, 12 to 9. He is table, uh, 12 to 8. Yep. 12 to 8. He's got a 4-up save. Of course, it is an ethereal save. And he's got 10 bravery. So mm-hmm. he has a number of attacks from 8 to 5, his nightmarish claws and fangs. There are 3x3s, minus 1, 2 damage apiece. However, 6s on hits cause two mortals. Yep. So you could choose to, if you wanted to, for some reason, have it auto wound Mm -hmm. uh, in the event that the target that you're selecting has a really good mortal wound save. Mm -hmm. You could move it through as just that. So you pick and choose. Which is nice. You still get that choice if you need it. Right. Until they update his scroll. Yeah. If he slays any enemy models, he can heal up to D3 wounds. Each combat phase. Yep. And we talked about the Frightful Touch, which is the two mortals. Mm-hmm. And he subtracts one from hit rolls for attacks made by enemy units while they're within six inches of any friendly models with this ability. So any enemy unit within six inches, minus one to hit. So obviously he still benefits from Wave of Terror. He still benefits from the ability to use the command ability to put a five up ward. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's pretty good. Yeah. You get your monstrous actions out of this character because as well. Because it is a monster keyword, yeah. Mm-hmm. With eight attacks down to five at two inch range, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. This is a character that you can pretty reliably get down to twos and twos if you're doing it right. Yeah. The only real big drawback is he comes in at 300 points, Yeah. which is just pretty steep. He doesn't have summonable and he's not a hero. So all of your healing is going to have to come through either combat Mm-hmm. Or like Terminexus or Life Swarm, things that could bring, you know, wounds back. Right. I mean, you can take him. Handing out the minus one in your opponent's turn is kind of big. Handing out the minus one in your turn isn't as big of a deal. Because off the chart, you're trying to do as much damage as, as physically possible. 
So, you know, you're going to be looking for those eight plus charges yeah. to drop rend or force fight last mm-hmm. in whatever situation you can. He's out there. He's a choice. He's something that yeah. you can take. It's worth thinking about, you know, on Duggan Mines spoof weekly Warhammer, yeah. a very serious show about Warhammer on Wednesdays. We obviously said that the secret to this new Night Haunt book is running four of them, maxing out your behemoth <laughs> slot. Of course. And and doing that. It's like twelve hundred points. <laughs> yeah, whatever. There's no particular subfaction that, that he benefits from. There's not like really anything you can use. It's just kind of this weird standalone option. Mm-hmm. If you have them, you can use them. They're just a little pricey for kind of what they do. Now, he does count as five models, right? He does count as five models. So as opposed to Coach, which is about the same cost, a little bit more expensive, which only counts as two. Not as mobile as the Coach, obviously. Mm -hmm. I think if he comes in at 250 at the next handbook, it becomes an interesting and reasonable decision. Okay. 300 is just kind of a lot. Sure. Especially because he's an extra point that you're potentially giving up. Yeah, right, with the monster, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's it. We just wanted to include him because you can take him. And uh, we didn't get to him last time. So, all right, man. Moving on to Vault Wars. Uh, it's an event we went through, as you said, about a month ago. was our friend uh, Tyler Emerson. And he was running his first. His well, first two-dayer, yeah. Yeah, first two-dayer. So we wanted to support that. It was down to Springfield, Missouri. So it was a bit of a haul. But uh, we made it. Had a great time. I think it was really... yeah. The venue was amazing, so shout-outs to the folks that that helped by sponsoring, giving us a site to play on. The room was really wide open and plenty of space between tables and really, really nice that way. Most of us went out to dinner on Friday night Mm -hmm. because we got there, and... Do you recall the name of the place we went? Lambert. Lambert. So because I bought a big cup. <laughs> okay. I'm a big believer in big cup theory. Okay. Uh, so big cup theory is that drinks uh, taste better in big cups. Okay. And they had these magnificent, uh, oh, yeah. gigantic cups. Big bladder stretchers. Yeah. Um, they're basically just big, huge thermos cups, and they were for sale in their gift shop. I had to buy one. It was a well-spent $8. Now, when you get there, you can tell right away as you walk in the lobby, if you couldn't tell from the parking lot, this is definitely a tourist spot. I mean, it's really popular. Well, they got my money for that big cup. <laughs> yes, they did. Joke's on them, though. <laughs> I'd have paid much more for that big cup. Okay. And one of the things that I found, it was the whole experience was really fun, but they had these things on the walls and on the outside. It said, home of the throat roll. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So what does that mean? Yeah. We had no idea. So we're all sitting down. There's like 20 or 25 of us in this room. And all of a sudden, a young gentleman shows up with a basket full of dinner rolls. And he just starts throwing them at the different tables. <laughs> it was like, okay, that's what this is. They were nice and warm. There was butter on the they table. They were warm. They were scalding hot. <laughs> it was so cool. And you put your hands up to catch the one. You feel the heat and you immediately like have to like let it go is how hot these things were. I mean, the butter started melting before it got to the roll. <laughs> yeah. It was like running away. It was so hot. Great. There were plenty of mishaps. There was a very poorly positioned flag in the room. And, you know, you got to try and, like, arc it to the further back mm-hmm. tables because, like, it's not like a short toss. No. Furthest distance in our room that that roll had to travel was straight line, probably about 20 feet. Mm-hmm. But you got to get it over all of these people. Yeah. And so more than once, the trajectory was <laughs> ill-fated, caught the flag, and then came down on top of somebody. <laughs> uh, 
The other thing inside the throne rolls was kind of fun. They had people randomly, servers come in with like a bucket and it was just full of some kind of side dish like black eyed peas or do you want some macaroni and tomatoes? Yeah, and they just scooped it out and dropped it on your plate. It's like, what's next? You know, they would come in. You had no idea what was in these things. Nobody ordered it. It was just something they did. It's just part of it. Yeah. It was a fun experience. You get bread in the air and (laughs) sides on the table. Yeah. It was really cool and a good start to the weekend. That was a lot of fun. So Saturday, we started our adventures and played some games. And we're going to alternate our games as we usually do when we talk about events. So Brendan, that we've both been to. Mm -hmm. So Brendan, why don't you talk about your game one? Doug, two plus tough, yeah, yeah. enemy of the show. Yeah, of course, um, yeah, right. Called me out on. He's laughing right now, yeah. I'll tell you. Called me out on his YouTube when he was doing his list reviews. So, my favorite part of the list review was how, and Doug, I say this lovingly, how antithetical it was to most list review shows where individuals are giving like these really competitive, thoughtful nuance to what happened, you know, like to what these lists are going to do and how they're going to fare. More often than not, on some of these lists, Doug looks at it and he goes, I have no idea what this does. Don't know what he's trying to do We here. love his honesty, man. It was great. Uh, and he didn't mean it in the sense of like, you know, you made a bad choice. He's just like, I just don't know what this army does. <laughs> right. uh, and I'm not going to pretend that I do. Oh, it was great. Like, good luck. <laughs> So he called me out on that, and I'd returned the offer on Twitter with my first ever coaching video. Yes, very tech. I give a lot of very good insight as to preparation for an event. So Doug and I came to Clash game one. He had his bone splitters, which had so, so many, so many boar boys. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, He had a bunch. Yeah, it was 30 of them. And so my concern in his list was, in terms of damage output, the Rogue Idol, Mm -hmm. the unit of four big stabbers, Mm -hmm. and just the chance at, you know, mortal wounds that were going to be coming through because he was Icebone. Mm -hmm. And Boar Boys have a lot of attacks on their profile. In our first game... I play my Durthu list, and because, if for no reason other than that is the list that is able to do just more damage, Mm -hmm. he very smartly forces me to... He makes it so that I, in the very early turns, just kind of have to go out and just kind of exist. I take control of the middle. I take control of, you know, my right flanks. Thankfully, the middle objective was kind of smushed between a couple of pieces of terrain. You know, I cast a tree down shortly behind it. So that becomes like this really narrow choke point. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, just kind of, like, hold on kind of a thing. The Tree Lords, as I've talked about in previous shows, their ability to hand out fights last, you know, which I'm sure will be going away as a everybody-gets-to-do-it ability. Right. And it moves towards a monstrous action. It's this really scary, neat thing that it can be. Okay. In his first turn, he gets too aggressive and neglects to actually score his very winnable battle tactic. Okay. He forgoes it to try and take the fight to my dryads. In the meantime, we're having the fight in the middle that I was gunning for. You know, we're fighting it out and fighting it out, and Durthu's fight and dip away is pretty good. In turn two, we managed to do just a bunch of damage to his rogue idol, so much so that, you know, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, like, we're done having to worry about that. But then he rolls on Durthu with, it's just a couple of boar boys that are left from, like, a previous combat. Like, everything explodes, you know, on the sixes, the sixes yeah. explode to hit, and then the sixes do wound or mortal wounds. And I take 
too much damage. Mm, okay. So like I fight, I get out of there. He doubles me into three, if I remember correctly. I try and retreat away with Durthu. He lands a killer long charge, pulls Durthu down, and Durthu's my general. Oh, yeah. So I'm out command points, and I'm like, okay, well, that's not great. Thankfully, my Kurnos are holding strong in the middle, just fighting stuff off, fighting stuff off. And then my Warsong, who very first set of dice rolls in this game was a miscast, followed by another miscast with my Branch Wraith. Oh yeah, I have plenty of miscast stories. Miscast, miscast, and I'm like, all right, Warsong, I am counting on you here. Mm -hmm. Gets the spell portal out. I've got two Throne of Vines up. Oh yeah. So I'm plus five to cast, and I roll an 11 on Unleashed Spikes, which is in the the middle of his army. Just sweep. I remove... Almost everything that's in the middle. The rogue idol goes down, the big stabbers, the eight wounds that they have left, all gone. Sure. I rolled super hot, you know, over there. Some Uh. of the pigs that are left, gone. And at this point, really all that there is is the couple of pigs that had tried to chase down Durthu. You know, the Tree Lord Ancient's gonna, you know, come over there and give him a swift elbow. Yeah. He's got his four savage big bosses, and he's got like some pigs up in the top right corner. And that turn just broke his back and I was able to skate away. I ended up winning, I want to say it was like 31-29 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was very close game at the end, in part largely decided by the battle tactic that he wasn't able to achieve early on. But super awesome game versus Doug. Really good start to the weekend. It awesome. was it's great. That's great. So my first game was against our friend Tanya. We've known each other for a long, long time and we were at Adepticon, I think on the second day we were both helping you out and we kind of we're talking going, you know, we've never grudged. You're going to Vault Wars, so let's just do this. So we grudged. And so this is, cool. is crazy to me that the two of you have never played. Never. You guys go to tons of the same events. Yes. You guys live in like the same set of table groups yep. very consistently, very regularly. You would think just, so you would just think like mathematically <laughs> that you two would have played at some point. Yeah. And the yeah. only time we played was it wasn't a game. I think I talked about it a couple of episodes ago. We were in that narrative event. Mm-hmm. We kind of played across the table from each other, but it wasn't a one on one. Yeah. And like I didn't believe you. And I had to ask <laughs> Tanya and I was like I was like, Dan must not be remembering. Like this is like the, you know, a- accusing you of your age really is what I was doing. <laughs> of course. And she goes, No, I've like never played Dan and I'm just like <laughs> What? <laughs> this is so crazy. She brought her flesh eater quartz, which... So one more oh, thing, because yeah. you and I have played at an event before. Oh, yes. Yeah, we have. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but never Tanya. Sure. So one thing that I always have seen her play is when she plays her flesh eater quartz, you know, she's got at least two, sometimes three. I know she had a list with like five dragons or terror guys, whatever it was. So I was a little concerned about that right away. Mm. And... So her list was an arch region on foot, and then she had two ghoul kings, one on a dragon, one on a terrorgeist. She had two courtiers. She had a unit of 10 crypt ghouls and then two units of six crypt flayers, which also, when I saw them, I'm like, oh, God, man, I know what they can do, where they Mm -hmm. can go. And I was a little concerned. So the game started... I got handed dust off almost right away on one of her big guys, which was really... It took a lot of pressure off for me. I had also screened Nagash enough that... Even with the Crypt Ghouls, she or with the Crypt Flayers, she couldn't get to him. Mm-hmm. So once that one big guy was gone, I kind of locked the other one down with my 
brick of 20 chain rasps in every game. They were just amazing True. how much they held out, especially my game against game three I'm going to talk about. Uh, so getting that out of the way and then Nagash just did what I finally learned to do with him is he lit off. He got all his arcane bolts off. He got Reaping Scythe off and he just jumped into one of those units of six crypt flares boom gone next turn boom gone so it's two units of flares were gone it was just a matter of time at that point and it was picking off a little bit on the edges and the corners he was kind of in a position where he could now that he'd gotten rid of them he could have gone into that last big guy and again i can't remember if it was the dragon or the terror guys i had killed with a hand of dust once i put up you know my lightning shield with my arcane bolts nagash was not going to get killed by that thing yeah your picket fence you know <laughs> air defense system <laughs> yes yeah, so i was surprised at how quickly he kind of went through her army I mean, we still played back and forth. It wasn't like it was over when that happened. And uh, ended up winning. Got my full points. Got all my battle tactics. But it was so great to roll dice with her on the table. Somebody you know so well, you don't realize how good a player they are until you actually roll dice against them. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wow. (laughs) This is really, really good. Because it was a challenge and it was... I kind of got over my fear of terror guys and zombie dragons then it was good for that perspective for me immersion therapy it was it's a good way to put it but yeah it was a great game and i really appreciate tanya grudging like that that was very very cool all right so that was my game one right brendan game two time game two indeed game two was in a clash of heroes which was a war code mission four objectives in the corners and you got extra points for having low wound heroes score the objectives that aren't in your territory that you own, Mm -hmm. which is three of the four of them. He's playing giants. So he had a breaker tribe with two breakers, Kragnos, Mancrusher. Both breakers had ward saves, one through the Amulet of Destiny and the other one through the Gatebreaker tribe artifact. I was given the first turn here. You know, I was playing my Durthu list again, specifically brought my Durthu list to... Give him the business, you know, do some damage. (laughs) Smack him around. So I got my teleports out. So I got my trees out, got my teleport buffs going. Unfortunately, Durthu rolled a one on on his Spite Swarm Hive, so he didn't get the plus three. What I probably should have done in that instance is I probably, probably, probably should have held off on trying to make this charge, but I make it into one of his gatebreakers with my six Kurnoths. Mm. I fail with Durthu. They do a fair bit of damage to the breaker. He does a fair bit of damage back, some here, some there. But then in his turn, he comes over with Kragnos, basically finishes that unit off. In my turn, Durthu comes over. Brings down the Gatebreaker. So I score a bunch of points for doing that. Mm-hmm. I get Kill Monster. It's a two-point priority target. And yeah. I have a Prime Hunter. So that's four points for just dropping that character there. Sure. But without the Kurnoth Hunters, I'm left with kind of an uphill battle in terms of mm. how I'm going to do this. So he wiped them out totally. Breaker and Kragnos, that'll do it. Yeah. So then my next plan is to just run away. <laughs> run away, uh, run away. Because unfortunately, <laughs> I have to deal with another gatebreaker yeah and kragnos is what has to happen here so funnily enough the other gatebreaker threw a rock at one of my unit of five tree revenants killed four of them oh god well it's four damage (laughs) i know but it's the hardly ever get through i mean they're so bad but it's a dice game right it happens killed the four of them i fail my battle shock test and i go hold on i get to reroll a dice every phase Mm -hmm. and like i can only pass on like a one or a two or whatever but i reroll it i pass 
And it's the one guy I have left is my musician. This will be important later. <laughs> uh, in my second turn, I'm able to write, which is when I brought the, the gatebreaker down, I teleport my other guys, you know, just away and over, like into corners where we're not going to be able to be gotten. He ends up dropping Durthu. So I pick up a cheap and easy Ooh. Savage Spearhead. I toss the six guys like into his corner. Oh, yeah. These guys spend the rest of the game just scattering to the wind so that he can't pick up broken ranks. It doesn't stop him from getting all five battle tactics. And I basically just played try and summon dryads, try and summon dryads, try and summon dryads, and run. We get to battle round five. Okay. We're tied. Whoa. Yeah. We're right there. Wow. I know for sure he's going to pick up his grand strategy, and so am I. Okay. Because I'm going to scatter to the wind all of my wizards if I have to. Okay. So he still has his man crusher hanging onto his back objective. He still has, you know, this gatebreaker and Kragnos. And Kragnos has to defend, you know, one of the objectives, yeah. basically. Because if he walks away, I'm going to take my little zippy idiots. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I'm going to go steal that objective with one dude. So the gatebreakers, you know, trying to go get objectives and trying to go be places... I had rolled at least a three up on my final run roll for my branch wraith. I had one command point. I would have won this game. Mm. Or if I had positioned the branch wraith over towards that objective a turn sooner, I would have won it. But I was holding on to that command point because my battle tactic was to kill the man crusher. Oh. And so I teleport the tree lord ancient over. I teleport the war song over. We're going in. Guns blazing. Like... And so the Warsong is actually pretty solid in combat. Five attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. Damage two, okay. Yeah. My shooting attacks go off. I do a little bit of damage to the Man Crusher. So he's got seven wounds left. I get in with both of them. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, that's okay. I'm not going to get the bonus cap with a small hero on that objective. The Warsong's not going to be able to make the pile in over there. So that's what it is. I was like, so I just got to kill this monster with a monster. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I'm going to start with the Warsong first because Tree Lords are pretty unreliable. Yeah. Swing with the war song, all five hit, and I'm like, cool. Four wound, fails all four saves and dies. Oh. So we end up tied overall on battle points, but he scored five of his battle tactics to my four, which oh. meant that he won the the minor victory. I feel pretty good about that. Like I had the opportunity and position to win it. Had I made like one better decision a turn earlier, mm -hmm. I could have won it handily. If I roll a three up with the run roll and not a three up on one of the wound rolls, sure. I feel pretty good about, you know, being able to pick up one of the two extra points that would have pushed me into okay. the major win category. So look for an army that is prime hunters versus an army that is basically all priority targets. I feel all right. Sure. You know, so, and a minor loss doesn't put you anywhere out of contention at all. Mm -hmm. You know, it actually can be advantageous and it can be not advantageous, you know, depending on where the numbers shake out. Like you could still be playing people who are undefeated or yep. you could be getting some of the folks who fit onto the other side of the, you're basically sure. a fence sitter. It's not the worst thing in the world. Okay. But yeah, so that was my game too. <clears throat> nice. I played uh, my first Ideneth Deepkend of the weekend. I played Paul. Mm -hmm. And he had an Achillean king. He had an Eidolon wizard, like a sea guy. Yeah, Eidolon sea. And he had Tidecaster. So those were his uh, heroes. And he had two units of 20 thralls, two units of 10 reavers, and a unit of two sharks. And he had Life Swarm and Burning Head. That was the list. And, and I looked at that. It was like, I can do this, especially with the way I have learned to use Nagash. You mm -hmm. know, once it, it all depends on him getting that arcane bolt 
lightning shield up. He has to do that. Yep. But he could do that pretty easily, getting Reaper Scythe off. I could kill something with my Arcane Bolts, and then I can go after something else with my Reaper Scythe. You know, that's the really nice part about it. We just kind of maneuvered back and forth. I got Terminexus out there. I was taking out some of his Reavers, and everybody who played me just said how frustrating that Terminexus was. Because <laughs> it can be. In both the IDK games I played, I was targeting the Reavers. And I did a really good job of taking out, you know, four or five of them. You take out half a unit of them, it makes a big difference. You just don't have to worry about them anymore. You really don't. Yeah. And, and so they become less scary. That was really good and pretty close, actually, after the first couple turns. And I'm not as good as remembering the the details as you are ever, but he had his Alapexes coming over to one side. He kind of had his Eidolon, as everybody does, that plays him, that's the wizard, kind of in support. He was there. His Achillean King, of course, he got really aggressive with him and the Thralls. I'm kind of waiting for the charge to hit. I'm I'm waiting for him to come after me with his King. And the first turn, I got all my Arcane Bolts up. Really good. Awesome. Second turn, I'm ready to go. Cast. Get ready for his charge. First freaking roll, I roll miscast. I lose seven spells. Mm -hmm. You lost eight spells because you miscast. Right, because I miscast. So that was it because... Now he charged him with his Achillean King. As he should. Thralls. Yeah, absolutely. And that was it. I mean, that was the game. You know, you lose Nagash and it's half your army. Uh, so we played it out for a little bit. But it was pretty quick, quick game with a miscast like that. And so early. It's rough. It's just like, you know, we just said about your game. It's a dice game. And if it happens, it happens. If you're rolling, you know, 40 times a game, if Nagash doesn't get hurt, you're going to get a couple double ones. It's just going to, mathematically, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just when it happens at the beginning of your eight rolls that you lose so many spells. And it is eight, seven or eight, however you count yeah. it. But that was just, oh, man. Because I, w- I could have won that game. I really could have. We were both getting our uh, tactics. I knew he wasn't going to kill all my wizards. I could have got my grand strategy and you know, all those things. The one thing, though, that's... Con- so that game was pretty much over after Nagash died from that. The one thing I did learn, though, and we talked about it a lot before, was you keep playing, you keep playing as long as you possibly can to get all those other points mm-hmm. that you should get carry over from one game to the other. And I was doing that. I was really trying hard to make sure that even if I was going to lose the game, I got as many battle tactics as I could. I, you know, I got my prize sorcery, whatever it was. And that made a difference in my standings at the end. It made, I think, a big difference. I'm glad that we had talked about that as we practiced before this and that I could focus on that, even though the game was pretty much over yep. from a perspective of who's going to get the 20 points, you know, that kind of thing. So really good. Paul was a great guy. We kind of had a couple laughs as we were playing and miscast city. That's the way it goes. Yeah, that's the way it goes. So game three. Game three was Savage Gains, and I played against Chase Lehman and his Nurgle army, which consisted of Orgots, a Lord of Afflictions, a Dark Oath Chieftain, mm. who was his Vault Hunter, two by two Puscoils, three by five Blight Kings, and one by six Nurglings. He outdeployed me. He made me go first. I sent Durthu to my right flank with a tree and sent him out, tried to land a long charge into some of his Blight Kings. You know, if I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't, you know, whatever. And I set kind of a picket fence on my left objective with some tree revenants, you know, just to cap it. So I scored a lot of points early, moved up through the middle because he had deployed his Puskos and his Lord of Affliction off table and his Mm -hmm. Blight Kings were basically spaced out evenly. So I knew if I could punch through any one portion of it, I could go get his back objective and score a bunch of points. And, and What about your size? What did you done with them? I put them in the middle. Okay. So them and the Tree Lord formed the main line of what I was trying to do. And then my left was going to be defended by 
you know, a progressively running away scheme (laughs) of tree revenants and dryads and things like that. So Durthu didn't land his long charge early, which was totally fine. But I was effectively fed piecemeal the Puscoils and the Lord of Affliction and then several units of Blight Kings into Durthu as he would bonk them (laughs) and then run away. So Durthu basically spent the whole game in a kind of a fighting retreat, Mm. you know, situation where he started you know, very far up on my right flank, got charged, killed a bunch of stuff, retreats back six inches, you know, does some charging, kills some stuff, retreats back six inches, gets charges, kills a bunch of stuff, retreats back six inches. And because of the fight and dip from the harvest boon, it sets you up so that you can heroic recovery every turn. I was casting regrowth out of my tree lord ancient quite a bit to keep him at full strength, get the disease points off of him. And keep him at that top damage six profile because mm-hmm. when you fail three saves like you know there go your drones like right you know, yeah you're gonna get your five up wards against them and and that kind of stuff but it's still 18 damage yes like yeah so we were doing that and then eventually the middle broke and the tree lord ancient got free where he wasn't gonna have to make a retreat move and just goes and grabs the back objective. Oh, nice. Okay. And I force Chase to drop a battle tactic or two, and it just kind of spirals. Okay. Eventually, we get towards the end of three. We kind of talk about, you know, what's on the table and, you know, what we still can and cannot do. You know, so we talked out our battle tactics and things that exist. Yeah. Because the outcome was effectively decided. Sure. Uh, One of the highlights of that game was the six Nurglings dropped in in the very back. And ended up fighting my war song, but because there was like a piece of terrain, like only two of them could fight the war song. Uh, so we had six nurgling bases. Yeah. Oh wow, cool. So it's my war song just trying to remove one base at a time yeah. of nurglings. That was kind of neat. But yeah, so I'm sitting there at the end of day one with two major wins and one minor loss. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling pretty good about what I got to try and do. Obviously, I was you know competing for underdog. Yes. And those awards and Tom Lyons with his Night Haunt at this point was three major wins. So I have to make sure that I maintain a level of closeness because if he doesn't, you know, keep up, you know, what he's doing that, you know, that I'm there to hopefully leapfrog him or or do something like that. Because him and I both were very clear about what our intentions were. Obviously, we try to win as many games as possible, but him and I were both there specifically to try and win the underdog. Absolutely. Yep. Your game three, Dan. Was against another one of the Potastics. I played Tracy before, but I played Vince and he had a just Man, it's kind of like when I played our friend Mark before. I'd never played really a big Iron Jaws charging massive thing across the board in one turn list. So this was another Iron Jaws list. He had one Maw Crusher with a Destroyer. He had a Weird Knob. He had two War Channers. He had a unit of five Brutes. But then he had... 18 freaking Gork Runners. Yeah. <laughs> he had one unit of six and then four units of three. So I'm looking at that going, okay, it's speed bump time because there's no way I'm going to do much. I can get in a gash and you know, selectively get him and take out some stuff. Nighthawk did what they were supposed to do. My unit of 20, again, just shined where I got into kind of the middle of the board where it was kind of a choke point in terms of terrain and stuff. Mm. And I got that 20 in there with my Guardian. And the funny thing was for three turns he did not bring back anything. But in the fourth turn he brought back 10 of them. And Vince was just like, oh, I worked so long to kill that unit. And there was like three guys left. And then all of a sudden 10 and pop back on the board. I'm like, yes! So ended up that my chain rasps 
broke down and killed a unit of three of the Gorgrunners, and then it took a big chunk out of another unit of three. The weird thing was he had kept his Maw Crusher in the back, and this is one of those things in the rules that I'm just, yeah, I know I'm ranting here, but it's just impossible to deal with that because you he can move literally across the board in one turn. He so can you're, move pretty far. You're yes. always looking at that loaded gun, just waiting for it to go off. Where is it going to go to grab something or kill something? In turn two, he brought his unit of six over to the one side, over to his right side, over at Nagash, right? And I'm like, yes, this is great. Now I had him screened. Here we go, rolling, boom, arcane bolt, second roll, miscast again. So I lost another six or seven. So literally I lost like 15 spells. In two Those games. Those two games, yeah. right? I'm going, Nagash, I love you, man. Good paint job, but you're not coming back to another event for a while. It was just brutal. He saw that weak point he jumped over his maw crusher and i handed dusted him off which was good but at that point he had gotten ahead so many points because you know right he he pushed up he controlled his objective he controlled the two middles yep and he was looking to just kind of close the double pincer maneuver that ends up winning that game because i don't know how your table was set up necessarily but mine was there were two pieces of terrain you know kind of towards the middle Mm -hmm. so on my table there were three distinct lanes one from my main to my opponent's main, yeah, and then that. the other, the outside lanes. And so I looked at breaking this down as your main line, mm-hmm. and then you know trying to form kind of like in a Napoleonic sense of like a mm-hmm. strong flank and a weak flank, and looking to push through and close the door on one of the lanes, and then sweep back if I have to. Yep. Or with the main line, come all the way through, grab it, and then come back. Sure. Now... You know, at this point, again, because of points, I was behind. Mm-hmm. And But you're talking about channeling. I had done that fairly well in terms of stopping him once he got into the channels. Yep. By the end of the game, I had killed 12 of his Gorgrunas. So he only had six left. I had killed his Maw Crusher. I ran out of time. It was impossible to get the points back. You know, mm-hmm. the, the differential was just so strong. I had a shot at tabling him. I just didn't have the mobility to do it. He still would have won, even if I tabled him, sure. either way. So we talked through the last turn real quick. Would it have made a difference since I handed dusted the Maw Crusher? Would it have made a difference if I got those other spells out? Probably, because I would have killed that unit of six before. And I also learned, since I ended up playing Boar Boys the next game, mm. the huge difference between Gorgrunners and Boar Boys. Man, those things are tough to get off the board, those Gorgrunners. But I got through them. Yeah. And, and again, I felt good overall about the game by the fact that he only had like five of his 18 original models on the board. So from that, it was kind of a moral victory for me. It was a loss, but I did get a whole bunch of my other points as well. I think I got all my tactics. I got my... Um, Grand strategy. I got all those things to carry over as we just talked about. And it was fun playing Vince. You know, I'd never played one of the Potassic Boys before. So that was really cool too. And yeah, so good game overall. I played out okay considering. Yeah. So we are at the end of day one. We were. We went that evening. Did you go out to the pizza place? I did. I was just at a different table than you. Yeah. It was quite uneventful compared to Lambert's. (laughs) We just got served pizza and everybody kept getting drinks at my table. I think it was um, Austin and Nick and there was somebody else. And they just kept like the person just kept delivering drinks to their table. And I'm like, yeah, so wow, you guys are so So Nick and Justin beat us there. We were looking around. We're like, it was like, you know, they said that they're here. And then, like, after a while, they come out from, like, around the corner of the bar area. And the venue that we were at, you know, you weren't allowed to have alcohol at. Right. And I was like, of course. I knew I should have looked there. Like, I'm such a moron. (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing. 
how many drinks they put that in just kept coming out and coming out. Hmm. So that was really fun. Just to clarify too, when uh, Brendan just said there was no alcohol at the venue, it was where we were playing. There was alcohol freely flowing where we had to play. Pizza. We had to play three whole games where no one was allowed, you know, to be <laughs> drinking. You know, at the game store, there were some folks who I don't know if they took up the opportunity to drink in the parking lot. But after my game, too, it was something I was entertaining just because, like, we ended so quick. You know, like, yeah. these were, were they three hour rounds? Yeah. Yeah. So they were three hour rounds. And my second game was done in an hour and a half. Yeah. So I had to find something to do. And I just ended up sitting around. And after a while, I was like, I think I'm just going to go to that gas station yeah. and just, like, it was great. buy a couple beers and just sit in the parking lot. Like, yeah. And it was fun. I mean, I had a great time sitting there and getting to know them a little better because I knew who they were and I've seen them on the screen and stuff, but I never really met them. And that was a lot of fun. A couple of great people. Saturday night was relatively uneventful comparatively. And then we move into day two. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. Yeah. I am one and two at this point. You are two and one. I am. Okay. Game four was Forcing the Hand, which is a war code, a rewrite of Forcing yes. the Hand from the Handbook 2020, Okay. which is one of the best missions that Games Workshop mm-hmm. has ever put out. Yep. And I was originally slated to play a Giants player, but they had noticed an error in some of the scoring and they ended up having to do some repairs. And so... Instead of playing this Giants player, which I had mentally prepared for, I, was, I knew what I was going to do differently this time. I knew how I was going to do this. I end up getting drawn into Sean Sayers' Legion of the First Prince list, Ugh. which was a heavy Ouch. favorite by a lot of people to actually win the event. It's a rough list. <laughs> He's got Bellacor, the Epitome, 10 Plague Bearers, 10 Bloodletters, 5 Pounds, 2x6 Furies, 4x12 Furies, Life Swarm, and Double Battle Regiment. I knew he had a... Everybody was talking about Furies, yeah. Mm. I was left in a bit of a conundrum where do I take my one drop? I don't do as much damage in that list, but break down, take the one drop, go first, and try and pin him in. Or do I take the Durthu list, which is going to be able to work through Furies, and can I get ahead of schedule fast enough? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, where I'm not just locked in and and that's what it is. I ended up making just a dice roll. Four up, I play the Durthu list. Roll four. Like, all right. Okay. That's what I'm doing. So he goes first. He jumps forward. He tries to pin me in because one of the things with Furies is when they are picked to activate to fight, they can make a retreat move with their full 12-inch movement. And it's super annoying. (laughs) But he comes up, scores... Hold one, hold two, hold more. Gets an aggressive expansion, you know, because he's taking the edges. I send Durthu out to the right. I try and send some of my stuff up the middle because Bellacor is hanging out in the middle. I got to try and get through to the other side. I know that my left is basically forfeit. It's just a matter of protecting my objective that's worth more, which is the objective I picked basically, like, that's right near where my trees were. Okay. You know, so just kind of keep holding that way. Durthu takes out most of the unit. They retreat back because... When Bellacor is your general, you get D3 back. It's like on a two-up or something every Battleshock phase. I was a little bummed that I wasn't able to get all of them, but it was what it was. He gets two, and him and I talked about this a little bit, where he ended up charging in six of his Furies into Durthu. Durthu ends up getting the four-up to stomp, ends up dropping them, because he was going to try and jump back and threaten my back-right objective, so I'd have to make a decision point on it. But because I forced the fight last, I killed them, then Mm. used my six-inch move to zip forward. Okay. So in my two, 
I would get Savage Spearhead. I should have done my order of operations a little bit differently. It ended up not hurting me, but basically it was a combination of I have to land a long charge with my Tree Lord Ancient who had got his plus three from the Life Swarm. Oh, nice, yeah. As I'm sending everything up the right, I'm still committed to trying punch through the middle where Bellacor is with my Kurnoths and my Tree Lord. You'll notice a very consistent theme in my strategies here. Yes, of course. I managed to, you know, clean up that whole right side position myself to grab a monstrous takeover in four or sorry in three and we come over in three start to sweep around the back things are not looking good for his center in the middle and i managed to land in my part of three kind of a long charge onto bellacor with durthu oh wow i'm left in this predicament because bellacor is now fighting in combat with the kurnoffs i've got my tree lord there who was trying to beat up the Epitome, who had the fourfold blade, and yes, it's a quite a good artifact, I will say. But I had Durthu. I piled Durthu around. I had Durthu fight the Plague Bearers that Bellacor was going to be dumping the Mortal Wounds off. To. Oh, sure, yeah. And because in my math, I did the calculus real quick of well, he doesn't have to do the pass off until after he knows that he makes the saves. Mm-hmm. Part of the benefit of Durthu is you know it's. Ren 2 damage 6, yeah. <laughs> which the Plague Bearers don't like very much. Yeah. So I can drop them. He's not going to be able to pass off these aggregate wounds. I'll be able to pile out, grab grab his main one, score a bunch of points there. Cool. Mm-hmm. I double him into four. Durthu comes right back and picks Slay the Warlord. I hold one. I hold two. <laughs> I hold more. Oh. Three. Hold his main for four. Yeah. Slay the Warlord. Battle tactic for six. Slay a monster. Seven. Did it with a monster. Eight. Priority target, Prime Hunter. God, Brendan, it's 10 points. So it was 10-point turn, oh, and that was just an absolute backbreaker. Believable. 10 points. 10 points. That's insane. And so part of what made that possible was I had my Tree Lord, my Tree Lord Ancient, and Durthu in, so I was rolling three four-ups mm-hmm. to make him fight last. I landed at least one. Which meant that my Kurnos were fighting, it meant my Tree Lord was fighting, it meant my Tree Lord Ancient was fighting, it meant Durthu was fighting. All before Bellacor was going to get a chance to swing. So my opportunity mm. to get this battle tactic was super, super duper high. Now we still played out his four, and after four we talked, you know, we rolled priority, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get my battle tactic, and all I need to do is to get eight points ahead of you mm-hmm. to ensure that I win no matter what. Mm-hmm. I was like, I hold one, I hold two, I hold more. You know, and my battle tactic here is going to be run three things together. I pick these three monsters that I have. I'm going to run them together. So, you know, that's my two, and then that's six, and I'm too many points ahead for you to catch me. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, And I got an extra point from holding his main. I mean, it was still a close game, even with my big... 10 point turn like it wasn't i was able to run away with it but that was the tipping point right bellacor's not on the table both your heroes are gone all you have left are furies and what you've summoned yep okay i can deal with that i can play this game super awesome game he got my favorite opponent votes nice super tough super tactical game loved it it has me interested in a potential award of game of the weekend oh wow because there were folks that were you know asking me like how i managed to do that right because this is the sean knew his army it was a really good list Mm -hmm. he played it really well i'm playing sylvaneth 
Yeah, right, um, right there. The thing that I'll tell people is that my list was uniquely equipped to deal with some of the things that makes his army really good. The fact that I can hand out fights last, yes, it's a coin flip, but sometimes you're going to win a couple of coin flips in a row. Durthu's ability to move upfield after every time I fight is pretty good. So even if you retreat away from me, I can still make that six inch move and start just getting upfield. So it wasn't a result of an indictment of poor play or anything like that. It was two people who really knew what they were doing, playing a really good game. Yeah. And like there were some spots where I got lucky. That's the way it is. Like Sure. And my list had a couple of tools that a lot of other lists don't. And it's not like I built it to play his army. It just so happened to be that like, oh, we're in this matchup. I have these two sentences on three of my war scrolls that, you know, are, are kind of good. Pretty good. Yeah. So, well, Brendan, thank goodness you rolled a four up to get the Durthu list. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You never I, know how that would have turned out. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. I don't know if that other game would have worked out similarly or if yeah. applying that pressure, how that would have worked out. I don't know. It's all hypothetical. Right. Okay. I was pretty pleased, even if I hadn't won that game, I was pretty pleased with the way I had yeah. played and yeah. gotten that out of it. So game four, Dan, Doug got the <laughs> opportunity, the rare opportunity to play both of us in the same event. That was weird. And it's kind of funny when you play Doug or anybody who knows him, he's the narrative guy. I mean, he tells the story, you mm-hmm. know, and he loves to tell the story. So I think a lot of people, when they play him, they're like, oh, he's the story guy. He doesn't know anything about the game. And I'm going, his list was good. You guys don't understand. <laughs> this guy know- had a good list. He knows how to play the game. Just because he talks about the game and the story a lot more doesn't mean he cannot play. And this guy had a close game as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really, really fun. But it was so great to see that I got matched up against him because what are the chances, like you said, that we both would get him? They are usually rare circumstances. Yes, very. So specifically his list, he had a weird knob, three big bosses. He had a, a wargog, which was kind of fun. It turned mm-hmm. out in the game. It worked out pretty well. He had the four big stabbers and he actually had 10 of the boar boy maniacs. Then he had two units of five and another unit of 10 of the boar guys. So he, like we said, he had 30 boars and you know, pigs on the table. Yeah, just a f- and he had the rogue of course. Just like in my game against Tanya, very early on, I handed dusted the rogue idol off right oh. away. And it was like, whoa, that was huge. Now I have learned, Dan, don't get so freaking excited. Sit down. Take a deep breath. The game is not over. The game is not over yet. Because <laughs> you still have, you know, you're still a 900 point character. You oh, got yeah. his rogue idol. Rogue idols are worth what? Three, yeah. three and change? I'm still 600 short of paying off yeah, the gash. Like, you got a couple more years on this <laughs> ROI bit here. Yeah. Like, well, this mortgage ain't going to pay itself. So he's still in, a, obviously he was still moving very fast with all the boars. Kind of a repeat of my game with Vince where he just got into me really fast. Mm-hmm. So what I was trying to do was, again, do a little bit of the speed speed bumping, getting the gash pumped up. I didn't roll any miscasts, so he got all everything off he needed to, of course. I tried to get into his backfield a little bit. I put a unit of 10 chain rasps back there. I put my harrow back there, but <laughs> I had the unit of 10 just the right spot. Wargog turned around, Care Bear stare, wiped out the whole unit. Like, oh, come on, man. And he was hard to kill with that four-up ward he has. He's mean. Like, oh, my God. He's t- and so I was actually trying to keep things away from 12 inches away from him because I saw where he was moving and he was kind of eyeing a unit like, I wonder if that's within 12. And it was like, it was scary after that first wiping out a unit. I used my 20 again like I did before. Uh, but it was very back and forth, grabbing objectives, giving up objectives. And the thing with my Harrow was he had all those bodies. 
buddies. You know, he had all the big bosses. He had everybody else in the backfield, kind mm-hmm. of. So wherever I put my hero, he just kind of like swarmed them with guys. And I couldn't kill anything. I didn't have enough. The other problem was with my hero, I had to retreat him. We talked about that the last time. Then he has to be farther than three away. So I had to retreat him instead of teleporting him. And that was really disabling because I couldn't get far enough away. He just kept scuttling after me with his guys, right? Yeah. Back and forth, back and forth. Uh, Nagash took out almost a whole unit of Bora Boys with his arcane bolts and his reaping scythe. In the end, I ended up winning the game, but it was very close again. Very, very close. And obviously that hand of dust early made a huge difference in the game. It was a really good game. He played very well, used all of his units very effectively. I wasn't as nervous about the big stabbers as I would have been before, you know, but mm. they were there and they were a problem. But I wasn't worried that they were going to kill Nagash or anything. It didn't bother me. It just those bore so many freaking pigs running around the table everywhere. It just a menace man crazy crazy cool so both of us having beat doug i don't know that that situation has ever come up in an event where both of us have beaten the same opponent at the same event that's true and i would like to propose a name for such an instance and it is called getting put in the cube (laughs) nice i take that okay so so doug you've been put in the cube Oh my god. And again, so I know dumb. he is laughing on the other end. I know he is. Oh god. Okay, Brendan, we're, we're going to go with that. Unrehearsed staff being put in the cube. All right. Getting put in the cube. Okay. It's a rare occurrence. All right, man. Don't worry. It's a lot of space in there, folks. <laughs> it's a lot of games to be played. So. Okay. All right, man. Game five. Second game. It's, yeah. it's getting late. Game five, day two. I have three wins, one minor loss. Tom has four majors. I'm playing on table three. So I need to try and keep myself in position. You know, if Tom does happen to lose his game, that I can potentially leapfrog him. If I win, there's a shot at best order. If I win, there's a shot at second place. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's quite a bit at stake in my game. And I'm playing Justin Newman from the Dias cast. Mm-hmm. And he kicked my butt. <laughs> Uh, so he had his Nurgle army. He's got Horticulus, Sloppity, Orgots, a Lord of Afflictions, unit of two Puscoils, and eight units of one Beast of Nurgle in oh, a double yeah. battle regiment. Playing Focal Points, which is also a War Code mission. I made a mistake pretty early in my deployment. I should have maybe pushed my Tree Revenants more towards the edge of my deployment zone. I maybe should have kept my Tree Launch Pad a little bit further back um, because he takes first turn. And what he does is he drops in the Puscoas and the Lord of Affliction and ends up landing not just both charges, but both charges in kind of a long way Whoa. and ends up tagging my Kurnoths, which is kind of a death sentence early because they can't teleport through trees if they're in combat because they need to do it instead of a normal move. Mm. Them being within three inches, they're not eligible to make a normal move. They can only make a retreat move. And that put me on the back foot super early. Mm. And because of that, I tried to overextend and reach for more than maybe what was on the table. When I wasn't getting those things, Justin took full advantage of it, pushed the advantage, and, I mean, Mm -hmm. just absolutely took the wheels off of that car. I tried at one point to land a long charge with Durthu into Orgots to just try and spike both of his generals because his Lord of Afflictions was going to get beat up. You know, the Kurnoths were were closing in. Yeah, maybe I can drop Orgots. 
So he's going to be down command points, you know, because he's not going to have any war masters. He's not going to have his general. So he's going to be hungry for command points. You know, there's a couple of things then that he's not going to be able to do. He's going to, you know, because Orgoth hands out a free one every turn, which is also pretty good. Mm-hmm. How are you able to handle the beasts? How are they? Oh, bad. It, this was all bad. Like handing out the disease points all the mortal wounds that were coming through. I just got pulled apart and there was a series of a couple of really bad dice rolls where I'm standing at the table and I'm just taking a moment and he goes, hey buddy, are those dice going to get thrown into a wall here? Or like, <laughs> you all right? Um, I was wearing my frustration because I mean, these were <laughs> it was just abysmal. Sure. And I was like, I was so annoyed. He took full advantage of the mistakes I made. He mm. took full advantage of the position he was in, and he won as like as I would expect anybody you know to go and do right. Like it doesn't. Sure. Like, oh yeah, he played a win. Yeah, especially in that position because you know from Justin's perspective, he's playing for best chaos and he's playing for you know best general. Sure. Um, you know second place. Push the advantage. Take your wins. Sure. And so they were him and Nick were trying to get out early. And before the game, I was oh, like, funny. Hey man, you know you can just concede. Like you know maybe Nick wants to as well. You guys can get on the road. You know you'll get home three hours early he's like don't tempt me with things like that and so i ended with three major wins a minor loss and a major loss and so i was stuck you know just kind of waiting to see what happened on tom's table because Mm -hmm. i think the other folks that were behind me for underdog award i had enough distance that the only person in consideration was the person ahead of me so okay yeah fair your game five so my game five another deepkin list man i played carl and i had to apologize then, and I apologize now to him. I just didn't give him a good game. I don't know why, but something between game four and game five, my brain just turned off in terms of playing and wanting to really focus and, mm. you know, win the game and stuff. Right, you had beaten Doug, you'd put him in the cube, you're like, mission accomplished, <laughs> hang the banners, it's, it's we're all done. done, right? He had an Achillean King and a Tidecaster. He had two units of 10 Thralls or unit of Reavers, two units of two Alapexes, and he had a Leviathan here. Mm. I just made some really bad, risky moves in terms of my battle tactics early, and that kind of put me out of the game. Mm. It really did. The other thing was he did not move forward at all. He just hung back the whole time. And I think I felt obligated to move forward. To, to bring the fight to him. To do something because sure. I had lost those battle attacks. I needed to make those points up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so I started moving up in the left flank, and there were just things I didn't do that I know now, you know, in hindsight, I should have done. I was already thinking because, you know, we'd already, we knew what all the things were in the new Nighthaunt battle tomb. So I'm thinking, okay, what would I have done if this had been, you know, that book already? Well, if I had, you know, yeah. the, the real wave of terror, I... <laughs> It was over relatively so I think by turn three it was over. The one thing that we did, though, just to see how it would go was he had his Leviathan charge Nagash just mm. to see what would happen. And I had some arcane bolts on it. And then he threw his two Alapexes in. His Leviathan didn't get Nagash. So I'm like, yes, that's my moral win right there. Sure. And then his Alapexes killed him. It was a loss for me. So I ended up two and three. Uh, the one thing that was really cool that Carl did, he was one of the painting judges. He has his own rubric. You know, he's very much into judging and looking at painting and stuff. And he sat down with me after the game and he went through his rubric with my Nagash. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool that he spent the time. He didn't have to do that. Again, thanks to him for taking that time. And it was very instructive. It wasn't a lot of stuff. Like, it was great to have somebody who paints at that level and judges, you know, look at my freehand that I did in the book and things like that and really call that out. And some other stuff I had done, but then, you know, you could darken this and just really really cool feedback about a model you know how it is when you build that any big model there are little things that you know can just make that difference so daunting so two and three i ended up 
about halfway. I think it was 21 or 22 out of 40. So that's fine, especially with the Night Haunt list. Night yeah, so Haunt. Tom went 5-0. and oh. yes, Tom won the did. event with an underdog army. It had to be clarified to him that you only get one award. Oh, yeah. We had, uh, I was sitting at the table when we went through all that. It was hilarious. But you won the underdog. I won the underdog by default, right? You know, because Tom had won first overall. But I'm next in line, and I've got the trophy. So Did Justin win? So Justin got best general. Nice. Our Wisconsin team's coming back with some hardware. Yeah. And I was giving Tyler a hard time. I was like, I was like, you know, I, I live 15 minutes away from this guy. Like, I drive... 10 hours to play this dude like you're killing me smalls you <laughs> repaired me into round four and guys i really don't recommend giving your to's grief tyler and i are good personal friends outside however of this so i gave him some gentle ribbing yeah so he landed with best general my round four opponent sean ended up with uh best chaos oh nice great um, so that was he's the guy with the bellacore list he's the guy with the bellacore list Prince. my round two opponent with the giants ended up with best destruction nice. so like taking in other consideration of the games i played mm-hmm. three of the five people i played ended up with trophies pretty considerable hardware i felt pretty pleased you know with my showing and, and the outcome and the results so brendan with this experience with your Sylvan mm-hmm. I wanted to ask, how interested do you think you're going to be with the new book coming out, playing Sylvaneth again? I'll see what it looks like. Yeah. Sylvaneth was my very first tournament army at Adepticon 2017. So it's not like I busted this out brand new. They're cool models. They've got an interesting play style. They've struggled a little bit here as of late in terms of their competitiveness, but... I'll be interested. I'll be paying attention to it. Sure. What's funny is this combination of books that are coming up. I think I'm going to have to make a deal with you here, Dan, um, because I don't want to talk about Skaven, and I, I know, know you don't want to talk about Sylvaneth. We'll roll the dice. But but I think we have to talk about both. I think you're right. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah, this, this talk about putting somebody in the cube. We put ourselves in the cube here. Yeah, I know. It, it was funny when I was looking at the rules and stuff, and then just hearing you talk about, like, you're a little bit excited. Like, it looks pretty interesting. I'm not going to play it, but I looked at that and I was yeah. like, oh boy. Like, yeah. That's so. And I was looking at some of the Sylvanest stuff saying, wow, yeah, we need to talk about it because it's going to come back on the table again. It could again. be one of our ill fated double episodes where we cover two battle <laughs> no! tones at the same time. Six hours. Oh my God, no. Yeah. We're not going to do that. Again. So for, overall. For the original listeners, oh. remember that time we talked about the Thousand Suns battle tone or codex and the Legions oh. of the Gash battle tone? Oh, that was just brutal. In the same show. Show. I don't want to remember Split which episode that was together and I don't want you to listen to it so anyway you no know, go listen to it <laughs> not the whole thing but just a little bit to realize how bad the format was <laughs> yeah that was a long time ago so overall I had a great time I did too. and it, the trip didn't matter you know the hosts were great you know Tyler did a great job of putting everything together making it an enjoyable event with just a little few things around the fringes to make it different and unique I'm very, very glad I made the trip, and I would recommend this event for sure. And yeah. Appreciate it, the effort he made. It was a little bit tough to get in this first year, because um, mm-hmm. Tyler wanted to really test the concept with a near-invite format, so mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. what his plans are with that, but if you do get the opportunity to go, it was a really good time. I do hope that in future years, more individuals lean into, if not the underdog award, the underachiever award, where mm-hmm. you can, in that case, take books that aren't eligible for underachiever underdog stormcast right you know mm-hmm. lumineth right sure pair those armies down run something weird mm-hmm. the thing that i try to encourage at bruce city brawl which is take what you want and don't feel bad about it yeah. you know these are your favorite models go play with them it's okay i promise yeah excellent yeah good time great time 
So with that, we are going to move on to our two other regular sections. We're going to move on to Scriptorium and this or that, but let's start out with Scriptorium. Etc. 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 So it's time for Scriptorium, and we're going to talk about new releases. We have two things coming out this week. One is called God's Bane, and it is a story in the mortal realms about a Lumineth lore seeker. And there is some kind of a magic artifact thing that she goes hunting for, and she has some people that go with her. If you're a Lumineth player, I'm sure you will love this story. Sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. But And then we have Elves Week, which is a collection. So you, you have it listed here as Elves Week. And I, Literally, that's what I know that. And as I, the first time I came across the notes, I was like, what book is coming out called Elves Week? Like, what Like what insane, like, young adults novel did I miss? It is a collection of short stories that you can get a subscription to for some price, whatever it was. So that's it. If you're any kind of an elf player in the mortal realms, then this would be something, again, that... Because there's, I think there's a daughter's story, and there's a, at least one Lumines story, there's a Sylvanes story, so whatever you like. Mm. Sounds interesting. You know, again, if you're an elf player, maybe not, if you just like uh, Mortal Realms lore. Then we have two things that are coming up for pre-orders this week that are related to, of course, Heresy coming out. One of them is called Lupercal's War. It's like 20 short stories they're all existing short stories, so they're being pulled from various sources within the Horse Heresy. Yeah. You know, if you haven't read any of those, you may want to give them a try. I recognized probably about a dozen of the titles, so I'm not going to get it because I've read them already. The other one is called Cthonia's Reckoning. And for those who aren't aware, Horace Looper calls Home Planet and the home planet of the former Lunar Wolves, is a planet called Cthonia. And this is kind of a story or short, I think there's three or four, quote, short stories, novellas it looks more like, of them defending their home planet. Because at the same time that Horus was attacking Terra, the Imperial Fists were actually attacking Cthonia. A lot of people aren't aware that those were hap- things were happening simultaneously. So it looks like it's related to their home planet being attacked. How about you? With your stuff you've been looking at and reading them, Nothing really too new. I'm trying to get caught up on Barry Season 3. I'm a little bit behind, so I got oh, yeah. up to speed. I do that. I watched, it was on YouTube, it's a three-hour video mm. about ranking all of Polian's marshals. Oh, neat. It was super neat. That would be really cool. It's something that just kind of popped up on my recommended feed, and I looked at it, and I was like, three hours? Like... I was like, well, you know, I'll turn it on while I'm doing stuff and I'll just treat it kind of like a podcast. It was super cool. I don't really have a lot of other words for it. It was pretty neat. It was a good three hours. The ones that were a little bit further down the list of the 26, they basically breeze like right past. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, three hour long show. And the first 13 marshals cover the first, you know, like 40 minutes. And then like the top five you know, ended up with mm. like just an hour, like alone. Sure. It was a good listen. Very cool. So yeah, that's what I've been up to. Very cool. I finished the first Slammers book. Uh, second one's been ordered. I'm sure it's going to be here very soon. But what I'm really waiting for is an announcement that the new Siege book, so Siege book seven, if you only count the big ones, is coming out. And there is supposedly, according to the publicity, there's going to be some kind of a showdown between Angron and Sanguinius. So the two angels, the red angel and... Sanguinius himself are going to The fight. red angel and also the red angel. And also the other angel, yeah. <laughs> the real angel. So that sounds really cool. And waiting for that to come out in terms of hardback, because I will 
read the actual Dead Tree book. I just have to mention, and whenever my wife Cindy reads 40K stuff or anything else, I find it of interest because she reads so much other stuff. But she's a crazy person because last episode, I mentioned that she had started the first Beckwood book, right? Mm -hmm. Well, not only since the last show has she read both the Beckwin books she has read all three of the Ravener books man it is just nuts and I have a request for the three Eisenhorn books <laughs> so those books are really good yeah I'll lean around the corner Cindy one of my very good friends he had the Eisenhorn trilogy yeah and it was so well read like he read this book so often all three of them right the whole mm-hmm. thing that the covers <laughs> fell off and we had to design, it was basically like a duct tape spine to like, to keep it together so that, cause he wasn't going to buy a new one. Like, he was going to keep rereading this book. I'm sure I could ask him now and he would number one, remember this book mm-hmm. and two, still have it somewhere. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I'm waiting for my feedback and see how that goes. But it was pretty crazy. I look over and she's like halfway through the second Ravender book. I'm going, what? It was like yesterday. I finished Karn in terms of listening, which it was not an origin story that I thought it was going to be. I think I mentioned this last time, but it really is more of an evolution of how the world eaters got to where they are now Hmm. in terms of leadership. And it talked a lot about their thralls and the the people, as I said last time, who are in it. But if you're interested in, you're a world leaders guy. I am. I think you would be interested in this story. Such a different perspective on who Karin is or well, was. I have a bunch of Audible credits. I'll just yeah, get it right now. Yeah, you should get them. Very, very good. The next thing I finished was I finished the Vincula Insurgency, which was the first of the Gaunt's Ghost dossiers, it looks like. They're going to have a series of those. Excellent story. Really good listen. The other thing that I started is I started a book on Robert E. Lee. It's called Car- Robert E. Lee. Carn Eater of Worlds? Yes, that's, that's it. All yeah, right, cool. It's got him on the cover. I'm buying it right now. Robert E. Lee, A Life. It's by a guy named Alan Guelso. I really have enjoyed other shorter books that I have read of Alan's. Just really, really excellent. I've heard him talk and speak. Lee is one of those people that I have absolutely no respect for. In terms of the fact that it's interesting because Alan talks about this at the beginning when you're writing a biography. How do you write a biography about a traitor? You know, it's kind of an awkward place to be. But I'm at the point now where he's making his decision in the story to not fight for the Union. And it's just interesting his rationale. He's kind of talking himself into his treason. So what I'm planning on doing is, and I'm learning a lot, you know, but... It doesn't change my opinion about him. What I want to do is listen to a book about him. Then I want to listen to a book about Grant. Then I'm going to... What a totally different guy Grant is, though. Right? (laughs) which Just a fundamentally different person. But but when you talk about the Civil War, those are the two people you picture, like like right away from the military perspective. Mm -hmm. Those are the two guys you kind of weigh against each other. And then my favorite person in the world, Bernard Montgomery, you know, I want to read a book about him. But then I want to read a book about Patton. Mm -hmm. And then in the Pacific, because I despise MacArthur, I want to read a book about him and then I want to read a book about Nimitz. So like take the opposite of each of those places and times, kind of see what people think and really compare the find out more than I already know about those individuals and maybe change my mind. I don't know. Yeah, I think reading is really listen, right? The going through listen. that Robert E. Lee book and his decision making, I'm sure you're considering some things in that listen that are, you know, that not everybody, you know, is gonna mm-hmm. be going through, right? Like it's real easy for me to say like I've never turned traitor, but like I've never sworn an oath to 
uphold the Constitution like you did, Dean. Right. You know, like he's crossing bridge that in the history of America, really one other person has mm-hmm. ever done. Mm-hmm. Benedict Arnold. Yeah. Right? yeah. You could argue before the country even really existed, like he's making a what eventually turns into obviously a monumentally bad decision for really horrible and awful reasons. I don't even know how you could get to the twisted mm-hmm. justification of it. You know, this is a particular period of time in which, you know, honor is held as a very high item. Like, And that's all you've heard about him mm-hmm. up until this time, his upbringing, his time in the military. I didn't even know. One thing I learned, he was a superintendent of the of West Point. I didn't know that for a couple of years. And again, you're learning so much about his family and his background, his relation to Harry Lighthorse Lee, who was a big, you know, general for Washington. It's just fascinating. And I'm not going to, other than to say I've never been a big Lee fan to begin with, I think it's a good exercise to read or listen to a story about them that presents the whole picture so that then either your thoughts are justified and you have some reasoning for how you feel about that person or you just find out totally different than you thought. Yeah, I just can't imagine like what you're thinking as he's going through that because mm-hmm. I know you. At least I think I do, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, we spent a lot of hours here. Yeah. I can't imagine the level of you dis- of disgust that you have for a person mm-hmm. who's backing out of something that I know is, is really important to you. And not just that, but to engage in something the Confederacy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm still listening to Dark Neck Diaries. It's very fun. And I want to talk about something real quickly, uh, listeners, that uh, we mentioned Doug. We both played him at our yeah. friend Doug. He currently lives in the cube. cube in the cube from 2 Plus Tough. He has uh, his channel. And most people know him. He's just a, a lore crazy person. Is so awesome. He and I have started a new podcast called The Emperor Protects. And we are going to go through the heresy books, essentially. We've already done episode one, which the Horus Rising. We're probably going to record uh, False Gods this week. And we are not going to deep dive like a couple of other podcasts. We're not going to spend three hours on one book, which is very instructive as well. We're going to go more story forward, where we're just going to talk through the main points, introduce you to characters, help you understand some of the things that make the characters in the story what it is. So, And we're going to do some takeaways that are going to be like, what did you just say? And it's like, yeah, we're going to express opinions as well. So give it a try. It's called The Emperor Protects. And if you're into the heresy, you might enjoy this. So that's it for me. Okay. Let's move on, my friend, to this or that. As always, you choose. I think I've been going first a lot recently, so I'm going to have you go, Dan. Okay. If you're going to play a chaos list mm-hmm. in a competitive environment, would you rather play a first prince list or a Nurgle list? Probably a first prince list. It expresses the way I like to play a little bit more. It's very control heavy. It's like very decision oriented, where if you're not making the right choices in the right places, you're going to be unsuccessful. That style of play I really like. Did you fly to Nashville or drive? Both. Okay. So the question is, would you rather, if you had to make a choice in terms of driving, mm-hmm. not the events, I'm not going to put you on the spot like that, Nashville or Springfield, Missouri? So Since bo- they're, they're about the same length of time. Right. They're about the same time in the car, and they're both right at that border of like, should I fly or should I drive? If you had to drive. Yeah. I end up having to take the same number of days off with the current price of gas, the difference mm-hmm. is not too high. The added benefit of driving is you have your car with you when you mm-hmm. get there, mm-hmm. you know, where if you fly, you got to rent a car, you got to Uber or whatever. Probably driving extra so if somebody else is going to, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm happy to do the driving myself. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And which one would you drive to if you had to make a choice of the two? I mean, I've driven to both. Okay. So, okay. Right. <laughs> okay. So an answer and non-answer. Mm-hmm. That's okay. In the heresy, are you going to buy the Liber Estartes or the Liber Hereticus? Oh, it's Hereticus. Like, I'm playing World Eaters. Like, if they would just I wanted to make it official. Me, if they would just sell me the section of World Eaters and then, you know, the other rules that I need to have, I would buy that. Like, <laughs> of course. I'll go super narrow. I don't need black shields. Don't need, you know, which is the loyal traitor legion characters yeah, yeah don't need that i'm just playing world eaters and really all i want is i just want to play angron and i just want to take my models and shove them up the board and then very destruction player here either i die or they die and okay that's it like that's what i'm interested in this game that's fair we've got two sets of special weapons and they're doing a really nice job of giving us plenty mm-hmm. of either special weapons or heavy weapons they've given us both do you think you're going to pick up if you have to pick one are you going to pick up a box of special weps or heavy weps special weapons i'm world leaders you got to go forward okay heavy weapons slow you down okay skip special weapons special weapons all right and if you can attach a chain axe to that special weapon, even then, better. Then I'm in. <laughs> a chain axe on a plasma gun. Yeah. Yes, all day long. All See right. some 14 year old Brendan conversions <laughs> coming soon. So, the last one is the sports question. Okay. And we probably know what it is. Mm-hmm. At this point, with everything we know still, yep. and everything we've seen for the money, Celtics or Warriors? Warriors. Still? Still the Warriors. Okay. Yep. That game one was a little scary, man. Oof. It was. 40 points in a quarter. Ouch. Juice. Yeah. Ow-hoo-hoo. Oh, man. All right. My turn. Yeah. So, Dan, I also have a Springfield or Nashville question for you. Oh. So, I know I asked you on the front end kind of how you felt about it, but now that you've been through the event, do you prefer the NashCon format where you have two lists? They can be as similar, as different as you want, but mm-hmm. they're playing in the, you know, but you just got to play in the same book. Or the Vault Wars format where 1,600 points of your army must remain the same between the two, but you are not required to play both lists, whereas obviously at NashCon you are I'll required play to play both once. lists at least once. Yeah. Given the choice of formats, I would choose to have two separate lists that I could play, you know, that could be whatever I want them to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm just just looking as I'm going through my night haunt list building. Oh man, I would love to have that two Nashcon night haunt lists are going to be gross. It would just be really nice because I'm going to have all the tools I need, and I can, you know, one of my lists can be really spiky, you know, really hard hitting. The other one can be very mobile. Mm-hmm. You know, I can include some units that are going to make it just frustrating as heck for my opponent. So I would prefer that and to be, have that kind of flexibility, even though I'd only need to play one of the lists at least once. Sure. Yeah. So that's what I think. Okay. Would you prefer to play at events that's running the War Code Emissions, which is the... Mm-hmm. The stuff that they were playing at Vault Wars, which Tyler has developed and folks have tested and revised. Mm-hmm. Or do you prefer playing just straight up normal handbook missions? I like the modified ones. I like the ones he came up with. Okay. I don't know why. They just seem more fun to play and more... I don't know that they're more challenging, but they just seem to have more variation for some reason. I okay. don't know what it is. But yeah, I enjoyed playing those. At Vault Wars, you came across a lot of pork... That you attempted to barbecue. God, man. If you had to play an army, would you rather play one that is boar boy centric with like what Doug is playing or more Gorgrunta centric, which is like what the Potassic Lad was? I think boar boys. I really do. I'm thinking of like you get rid of the rogue idol and I don't know how many boar boys you could probably buy a lot for that. Mm -hmm. That cost. I don't know. And the sub faction he was playing, they could be pretty nasty, man. 
And they were easier to kill. Now, granted, that I did enjoy. They kind of got pulled a lot more. But man, yes, each model does go a little bit faster. When they hit, they can hit hard. They can hit harder than I think Gorg Runners can. They really can with the right subfaction. I like the models better too, honestly. Fair. I just like those savage guys with their sticks in the air, waving them around. You know, it's fun. Now you're retired, so the question is a little less pertinent than in years past. But did you prefer to have Fridays off or Mondays off? I think Mondays. Yeah. Make my weekend a little longer on that end. Because then that meant I had less week to look forward to. Mm. That's the way I looked at it. I have Monday off. I'm like, I only have four days left. Cool. That's really nice. You know, you could also say that for a Friday off, you know, that you only had four days. It just felt like the week was shorter when you start on a Tuesday and you had four days. Okay. So that would be something I would prefer. Reasonable. All of that very reasonable. My last question, Dan. If you were to open up a restaurant... Uh, Dan Burtz, if you will. Okay, yeah, sure. What would the shtick at your... Oh, God, see, your... here's the open-ended question. We got to get one of those in all the time. Uh, I did really good. Like You the, did. You did very I nicely. Added... It was either or the whole way. Yep. So obviously we went to Lambert's and the shtick was the throwed rolls. Throwed rolls. You know, like, I'll give you the other open-ended part of this is like, you know, like, it could just be like decor. It could be, you know, like whatever. It's like whatever is going to make this place... Uh... Man, if I'm thinking about, I think it would be kind of like, you've been to Ed DeBevick's before. I have, yes. Yeah. So this is a place, listeners, if you haven't been to Chicago, where the help is, they're acting, of course, but the help is totally obnoxious. And, you know, you want some straws, they'll basically take them out of their pocket and throw them at you. And they get up on the counter and they dance at some point. And when they bring you your food, it's just kind of like, what do you want? You know, it, mm-hmm. but you know, it's all an act. But I can remember when my boys were younger, we used to go there and they would just laugh so hard when these people would act that way. I think the interaction of people is always a fun thing to do something with. And I don't know if it would be the Debevix kind of thing, but something with the servers and the cooks and the customers. Okay. Something with that interaction somehow that I think would be fun for people. You know, and then I always loved it when people came in and they didn't know it was supposed to be that way. And then they would get so offended when these people acted like that. I'm like, you should have done your homework. <laughs> It's supposed to be like this. And it was worse. They used to have one in Milwaukee. And I know that it was pretty salty, you know, sometimes. I know the one in Chicago was like, they were really obnoxious. And people just loved it, though. So, yeah, that would be my stick. So that's it. Show close time. All right. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. So any Sunday announcements at all? Yeah, our Sunday announcement, Dan, is Ultramarine's Toys. Oh, wow. That is exciting. And that's Blood Angels Death very, Company toys. That is so exciting. Thank you, Brendan, yeah, for sharing welcome. that. That is amazing. Moving on. <laughs> Next episode is going to be Girls with Knives. Yeah. Uh, it, otherwise known as Daughters of Cain. Yeah. Dan's two books back to back. Yeah. The, right. <laughs> Oh, man, yeah. I'm excited to so, go this over this. This is a dark time for the show. We've got both of Dan's battle tomes in a row, <laughs> followed by two books that one of us doesn't want to review, one of each. <laughs> yeah. really? So we're going to try to figure out how, like, Brendan could do the show by himself for Sylvaneth, and I could do Skeven <laughs> by myself. 
Anyway, so Girls with Knives, next time, looking forward to it. Should be a good review. We've heard a lot about what's going on. We've had the books, but you just have, I haven't had a whole lot of time to look at them. I look at that one. So I'm looking forward to it, and people are very up on it. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be some great stuff for the girls. It's a good book. It drives me nuts because this absolutely 100% could have been a White Dwarf article. Now, it would have been a longer one. But there's not a ton of changes to mm-hmm. the things. Mm-hmm. A lot of your biggest changes in interactions are your sub-factions. Okay, yeah. And the stuff And there's that. plenty of them in there. Mm. There's a lot of them. You get your six. Yeah. That's it. And then the uh, show. episode 100, again, if you all have some ideas, we're, we're going to be talking about it in the next few weeks uh, as it comes up. But if you all have some thoughts or what you would like to hear in episode 100, let us know. And we'll We're just going to put that. all the previous 99 episodes together into one mega episode. And it'll only be like, I don't know, 180, 200 hours. It won't be a, a long listen, honestly, because it'll be all be time stamped and you could just, yeah, jump, you you could just listen to Scriptorium and that's it. <laughs> Take an hour. Anyway. Yeah, you'll, we'll have to cut up all of the episodes where <laughs> it's so bad. It's one very long intro section it's a it's 99 intros it's followed by 99 whispers from the warp yeah followed by 99 lies terrible very confusing formats terrible stuff okay everybody brendan as always thanks man yeah appreciate having me that was such a good time down there and i'm glad we could share that with people listeners as always Thank you for being with us. Thank you for making this show as successful as it is. We're always grateful, surprised, but always grateful that you listen in. And we really appreciate your time. And other than that, you stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you next time around. Bye. This is the end.